And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, I never want to hear about dedication because I am dedicated to this podcast. Podcast Dave is dedicated to this podcast. But once again, Big John McCarthy was stuck because of the Joe Biden letting him back into this state. Oh, actually getting him out of this state. (laughs) He is stuck on the no-fly list. He got stuck again traveling from California to Tennessee in Dallas, Texas, and so he is stuck overnight there. I'd like to give Big John a hard time because this type of thing seemed to always happen to him. It's hilarious. From the oak tree and the broken six ribs and the losing the key fob stuck at a diner all these things are so freaking hilarious to me but it always seems to happen to big john (laughs) so look guys we've got a lot to cover so you guys have to bear with me it's just gonna be me and podcast dave today we're gonna have some fun there was plenty of things to talk about last the last time big john missed uh the podcast which was only like a week ago but last time he missed the podcast uh same type of thing happened you know he got stuck and from coming back from ireland and uh he was on the no fly list uh getting back into the country and so this this time around though he tried to get from state to state and they were like absolutely not you have to drive across the state lines so but it's been it's been fun man Uh, we had a great bellator weekend dave we had fun man i mean i didn't get to i haven't watched back uh the show that we did with bellator but I mean, I had a ton. Of, I had a ton of people that reached out and said that it was. Uh, it was that there was some good. There were some good moments between John and I on the broadcast, and we had some fun, man. And uh, Amanda, being the great mediator that she is, keeping us separated because I was about to beat up Big John again and tear him apart, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I hope, I hope she's giving you guys props because you guys make her job so freaking easy. So I hope uh, <laughs> I hope she was thanking you guys afterwards. Whoa. Cause that was uh, it was so much fun, man. Just when you guys were doing the side by side stuff, it honestly just felt like weighing in how how yeah. how much fun it was. It just brings so much life to the to the broadcast as well, man. So what really I you know what's funny is we were all at the hotel bar afterwards, and um, and she she, she was in there trying to take credit for setting it up. She's like, yeah, oh, you know, God. I did such a great job and did it. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh man, she is so fun to work with. She is a great person. <laughs> And, uh, it's hilarious because she is like, she's like, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. Like, she's like, like she, you guys think that John and I are back and forth with Dave and Dave's back and forth with us, but she doesn't skip a beat. She'll throw in those little snide comments and, uh, she fits right in with us, man. She, it's hilarious. We're actually thinking about trying to find a way to, you know, have her come on the show here and then just have some fun and you guys get to know her personality a little bit better. And, uh, She'd be she'd be a fun little addition to uh to uh to this show. You know, I reference her all the time on this show. I don't know if you guys realize that, but I call her Amanda the our listener, our listener Amanda, and it drives her absolutely crazy the fact that I call her our listener Amanda. Because like, oh now I'm just a listener, huh? I'm just I'm just a listener. I'm like, well, actually, when you're listening to our podcast, yes, that's exactly what you are. And so, and but it's, she- it's great. And she's technically only a listener if she's cl- if she's going to mybookie.ag or something, right? Like if she's yeah. not even doing that, then she's she's just a nobody, right? She's uh, but she's she's actually she does really good. Uh, she gives some really good um 
like prop bet advice and some good gambling advice. Like she's real, she's pretty, she's pretty on top of all that stuff. So, uh, we've talked about trying to include her into that my bookie stuff and, uh, seeing how it all goes. But anyways, look, let's, uh, let's go ahead and let's rock into this stuff. And, uh, we're going to talk about the UFC first. So you had Jan versus Dern. And, you know, I set up on this, on this, uh, show, Dave. And I said, you know, for me, I felt like McKenzie Dern was going to be able to get this fight to the ground. She will dominate the positions. And the times that she did get this fight to the ground, she dominated the positions. This show is brought to you by mybookie.ag. Look, we had a ton of fights going on last week, and we're going to touch on all of those fights from last week. And But look, you guys could have made some money at mybookie.ag using our promo code Wayne in. Now, we talk about mybookie uh, all the time. Because they are one of the best online gambling sites out there. All you have to do is bet your winnings, bet your winnings one time, okay, and then you can pull your money out after that. Use our promo code Wayne in, and you they will give you some extra spending cash with your first initial deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code at mybookie.ag. I also didn't realize until I saw this fight with Mackenzie Dern. Now I had seen her attack. I had seen her do all those things that she needed to do. I didn't realize that she is overly aggressive with the submission attacks to the point of giving up positions sometimes. Now, when we talk about fight IQ and I actually had people say that, you know, you and John talk about fight IQ so much. This is kind of one of those scenarios where um, I want you guys, if you guys have an opportunity, go back and watch her fight with Jan. And, when you see what she is doing, she's aggressively attacking the arm bar. But what you have to remember is in a fight, and I'll talk about this too with Bo Nickel because we're going to get into Bo Nickel later on, is she was aggressively attacking the arm bar to the point of giving up the top position to do that. And that is a huge no-no. Like, it doesn't matter if you can go ahead and you try to get it, and let's say you will get the arm bar, you need to make sure that that arm bar is so secure to the point where you're not getting rolled through and you're getting put on bottom and potentially losing the submission. Now, I know she had seconds left, but she rolled through on that. She went for that arm bar and ended up on bottom in the very end of the fight, and she found herself on the bottom, and and Jan was able to pull her arm out, and then you know she finished the, the fight on the bottom. And I know she was going for broke, and trying to get that submission in it and it looked like it was going to be close. And then she lost the grip on it and then losing the position was on bottom. You need to, I, I've said this fight IQ comes down to never, never give up a position from the top, the mount position or side control or half guard or three quarter mount or whatever it is. The top level fighters are never jeopardizing that top position to attack a submission. And, because at the end of the day, the last thing you want to do is be reversed. The last thing you want is to be stuck on bottom on somebody who in this fight, it really was evident that Jan was the bigger fighter. She looked like she was physically the stronger fighter. Mackenzie Dern had opportunities to get this fight to the ground. She just couldn't finish the single leg when she had it hiked up and elevated. There was so many things that Mackenzie had that I had seen that Mackenzie needs to work on now. There's no doubt that she's a phenomenal jiu-jitsu practitioner. There's no doubt she's she's really, really good. And she's gotten a lot better on the feet. Um, where she lacks on the feet is she's aggressive with her with her hands, but her kicks, she leaves herself wide open. She's kind of extending her chin up in the air as she throws her kicks and she's able to get countered. 
she hasn't quite learned how to put the combinations together and then transition into the wrestling. You know, in the beginning of when Aaron Pico first came into the sport, didn't matter. Look at the level of wrestling he had, and he still struggled to get takedowns because he hadn't quite learned to put the two things together. It wasn't he didn't he didn't learn he was a good boxer and he was a good wrestler. But there is an art form behind putting those two things together. And Mackenzie Dern hasn't quite figured that out yet. Now she's not on the level of wrestling of of obviously of an Aaron Pico or Bo Nickel or Pat Downey or any of these other uh fighters. But she hasn't she hasn't learned how to make the transition from throwing the combinations, keeping her chin her chins up in the air, and making that transition of combinations to lowering the level and not having to drop down on her knees to try and get the single leg or the double leg. She needs to drive through, bounce off the fence, pull them away from the fence. All of those things is, is an art form on getting this fight to the ground. And she hasn't quite learned that yet. So I got to tip my hat to Jan. She proved, I, she, you know, I talked a lot about Mackenzie Dern, like getting this fight to the ground and this fight being finished and she not being able to survive, you know, um, on the ground. I mean, she was in survival mode when they were on the ground. She was definitely in survival mode, but she did her job. She dominated some of the stand-up positions. She was able to land the tighter combinations. She possessed the more. She possessed more power on the feet. She was an all-around uh, in that fight. Outside of being on the ground, you know, she was an all-around very, very talented fighter. And I knew that going into this. <clears throat> I just really believed. That Mackenzie Dern would be able to drop down on a leg, try to pull her down. She did that several times, was able to get the sweep, you know, get to the top. But takedowns is really where she's lacking. And Mackenzie Dern is. And when you have, and this is a lesson for a lot of fighters, the lesson should be that when you have someone like, if you're someone that just cannot get the takedowns, stop trying to do the, the big power takedowns. She kept trying to throw the head and arm. If you're not the better wrestler, if you're not the stronger fighter, if you're not the bigger fighter, throw it, try to take someone down with a head and arm. It's damn near impossible, you know? And so she was really struggling trying to get that takedown and elevating the legs, single legs. Even she was struggling to get that as well. There was moments in there where she just had opportunities to lift the single, hike it up, pull her away from the fence, or she had an opportunity to drop down on the double, couldn't get it, come back up on the body lock. Learning how to take someone down from the body lock is an art form no different than learning how to throw your combination and covering that distance to get in on the single, the double, or even the body lock to try and get that takedown. And so she has a lot. She still has a lot to learn. I don't want to toot McKinsey. I don't want to knock McKinsey too much. She's 12 and three. She's learning inside the cage. You know, she she's pretty much has... She has all of her fights have been in the UFC. I mean, a majority of them have, and she has the ability to continue to grow. There's just a couple little tweaks that she needs to make here and there. But Yan, Yan looking really good. She looked fantastic. She survived on the ground, but on the feet, she did really well. Stuck and move on the jab. She utilized that fence um, as like a third, you know, as like a third leg to kind of lean against and really. Um, make McKenzie Dern carry her weight. She fought a great fight. I think Jan just, she's got that next level of competition that, you know, I myself included built up McKenzie being like, Hey, this is, if you're going to get to the title, you got to get through Dern. Well, in reality, Jan's, Jan was the higher, I think believe was the higher ranked fighter. Can you pull that up, Dave? 
Um, I believe she was the higher ranked fighter. And but Jan looked fantastic. She she looked clean on the feet. The side kick to the front of the thigh, I think, really had an effect because it really was hard for Jan to. I mean, Dern to judge the distance. And Dern is five. Jan is six. Okay, okay. But there, look, there was so much hype surrounded around Dern, <clears throat> and and me being one of them included. Um, and Jan came out and she. I thought she had a very good performance. Now the two rounds where she lost and got put on bottom. A lot of these other fighters that, that Jan's going to have to fight, they don't really have that same ability to control that top position as well. Maybe Carla Esparza, the current champ, she maybe has that in there. Rose Namajunas being the one on the feet. Weili Zhang working now with um, with uh, Henry Cejudo, who's just a master of putting those combinations together from the striking to the wrestling takedowns. You know, maybe the show, we'll start to see more of that coming from her. And Marina Rodriguez, who's probably going to be next in line for a title shot, I believe, is the one fighting, I think, for the next title shot. That That's another one. Who? Q and the Weili Zhang's fighting Carla. Oh, Weili Zhang is next? Okay, sorry. Forgot that's about booked. that. That's booked, yeah. Oh, that's already booked. Okay, but then, yeah, Marina being that next one, probably I would imagine after that because of Rose and um, <clears throat> not having such a great fight with Carla and so forth and stuff. So I think they'll probably try to see what happens after Weili and Carla. But Marina being the one up right there, right there in the mix, and then Jan probably going to leapfrog uh, Mackenzie Dern now. So there's there's some good action in that in that uh, weight class. I really, um, that's at what one fifteen, right? I really am looking forward. I I really wish Bellator would start a one fifteen category. I really do. And um, you know, and that's another thing we're going to talk about is the the female weight classes. Um. Yeah, no, I don't understand, but no, there's there's plenty out there. I think to sign, there, I think there'll be some more. There'll be some females out there that can sign okay. for at the 115 115 pound weight class. Um, but yeah, that's the overall great fight. I thought it was there were some good action scenes in the action parts throughout that that fight, and I think they both delivered. Very good, very good fight. Um, Randy Brown versus Trinaldo. Uh, Randy Brown. He looked good. He stayed long. He stayed composed. He had a very good fight in terms of his game plan. Stuck and moved. Kept that push kick coming up the middle. Even even though it was landing on the body, sometimes went to the face. He was setting up with the jab. And then I believe it was on the first round, he sat Trinaldo to his ass uh, with the straight right. So um, he was hiding that. He was hiding that push kick up the middle uh, with behind the jab. And then he, he switched it up and threw the straight right, right down the pipe. Beautifully done. Sat strong to his ass. He kind of pretty much dominated that fight. Randy Brown did. Some good action. Some good stuff in there. Trinaldo, man, the guy that never ages, but he still went out there and put on a good fight. Good job by him, Randy Brown. Good good, uh, good performance. That, that right there kind of set the stage for what would be next to come, you know, for uh, Randy Brown. He's going to have to up his level of competition. Trinaldo wasn't up... Um, it was a raising competition, and now look for him to try to get into those next level of guys. So good luck with uh, congratulations to Randy Brown. Good stuff. And um, Barcelos, he looked phenomenal. There was not one moment in this fight where Trevin Jones looked like he was in the fight. Trevin Jones just was. And, and, and let me let me let me uh, let me let me adjust how I'm I'm entering this because Trevin Jones is one of those fighters that has all the ability. He has all the, he's so talented, but it seemed like in this moment, in this fight, that uh, Barcelos just had thrown him off early in the fight, and then Trevin Jones just could not get back on track. 
he just it seemed like he was doubting himself, whether it was the speed, the aggressiveness of Barcelos. Barcelos just looked dominant in every aspect of this fight. And when we talk, when John and I talk about this, about fighters, when they show up, sometimes they have it, sometimes they don't. Trevin Jones just didn't have it that night. He just didn't. It felt like he would didn't feel like fighting. It felt like he didn't feel like throwing. There was something that Barcelos did throughout the in the beginning of that fight that really just had Jones just second guessing whether he wanted to throw, whether he wanted to wrestle, whether he wanted to kick. It just it was it was a mixture of all he had to do was pull the trigger, get off first, and have success. But he just didn't do it. And when you're not when you're not throwing when you're not throwing combinations when you're not throwing punches. When you're not striking, you can't win a fight that way. You know, it's very rare that you can win a fight that way. You and you know, and he wasn't able to get takedowns. He was getting he was getting out grappled and he was getting outstruck and he the pressure was there. Barcelos looked fantastic throughout that fight and uh had a very, very dominant performance. Uh Yusuf, uh Sadiq Yusuf versus uh what's his name? Shannis. Look, Yusuf it made short work of him, got him in and out of there. What was it like thirty seconds, I think? Jumped on that uh, that guillotine. People are underestimating. I think they're looking past Yusuf, like as if he's only a striker. And I said this before when we talked in the midweek show that he's good. He's good all the way around. People know him for his striking because he's so fast. He's got he's got clean striking. He's got clean stand up. He's uh he, he can be aggressive with it. Sometimes he can be a little bit more of a counter striker or just be an in and out striker. Someone that doesn't try to really push the pace and get in your grill and out strike you. But in this. In this, uh, in this fight, you saw a little bit of everything from him and people need to stop overlooking him and saying like, Hey, this guy can do it everywhere. I mean, you've got the other guy, um, uh, Mark, uh, Dikesi or whatever. He's extremely good as well. They're both of these guys. They remind me of each other because they're so good on the feet. They have a little bit of mixture in that they're fast. They've got good stand up. They can be aggressive when they want to. They can dictate the pace when they want to. And uh, I heard Paul Felder talking about very the, the similarities between them, and it just it clicked for me as well. And I was like, "Wow, this is they 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 are very talented in terms of they are good all the way around, but they're only known for one little thing when they shouldn't be. They're very good, and they look for these guys to really make uh, look for Yusuf to make a, a good jump, you know, in his competition and start rising to the level. So we're gonna see him a little bit more of him. Um, let's see, Mike Davis, good performance. He was kind of running away with it a little bit, sort of getting a little tired, you could tell. And I was hearing that he was dry heaving in the in between the second and third round. And yeah, Dave Dave knows about dry heaving because uh, <laughs> we did a work we did a workout one time and he had to run to the bathroom to throw up. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> so great. <laughs> nah, but uh, I thought he looked good. The wrestling was there, the striking was there. I mean, the striking is he still needs to clean up the striking. It's not. It's not the greatest, but it was enough to get it done. Uh, but he did, he just utilized his striking to get the takedowns. And I thought, I thought his ability to, even when he was tired, to throw the combination and then close the distance and get the takedown was phenomenal. I thought he did a great job. Um, maybe he needs to work with Mackenzie Dern a little bit. So it just, he needs to, someone needs to help her and that, and those type of transitions, you know, a Henry Cejudo or a Mike Davis or Chris Gonzalez or somebody. That has fantastic wrestling that can cover that distance from the striking to the wrestling. Um, but Mike Davis looked good as well. Uh, Santos and uh, how do you say his name? Castaneda. Great fight. Great back and forth. 
just big time stuff. The knees was fantastic. This was one of those fights that were, they both kind of just came together and just were getting after each other. Just fantastic stuff. The knees up the middle, the, the little jumping knees, all the little stuff, man, was just, was fantastic. And, uh, I can't say enough. Look at when fighters, when fighters take damage, then start to come back, whether, you know, and they start to make a run to get back on there. And then they, then they take more damage and they still survive and stay in there. I mean, Castaneda seemed like that he was kind of running away with this fight and was able to land some great combinations, really get Santos in trouble. Santos was able to survive, come back, throw the combination, get the knee. I mean, like it was a great fight back and forth. I watched these two guys fight. This is one of those fights that honestly would have loved. I, I would, I could potentially see the UFC being going like, Hey, you know what? They have great chemistry inside that cage together. And this is a fight that we can see happening multiple times and banking on that. It's like having one of those fights that when you need and you, when you know you need something like an action packed fight on a card that's not stacked, they may throw that one in their back pocket. You may see that one again here. You know, it maybe is as soon as like another year, maybe year and a half. They'll be like, okay, look, let's maybe put that one on this card, knowing this card's not stacked. So look for that maybe later on down the road because that was a great fight. Uh, I'm going to skip over, uh, Olenek and Latifi. Not a great fight. Two big guys that just didn't have a lot of action. And, uh, you know, Latifi was able to just kind of control positioning and, and stuck and move. And there wasn't a lot of action going on on that. So, um, Silva versus Ronson. Good stuff. Silva looked fantastic. Just had, he had Ronson's number the whole time. Uh, knees, punches, kick. He was dominating. He was doing a great job in this fight. Thought it was overall a good fight. Now, I want to say this though. On the, uh, Brennan Allen fight and, uh, how do you say that? Joku. I, for some reason, I don't know what happened with my app, but that fight, I couldn't watch it. So it just said couldn't watch the video. And then I was able to watch all the other fights, but I just couldn't watch the video. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on with that fight. I'm going to try to look it up and maybe cover it on our midweek show. Um, you know, tomorrow or Wednesday, but for some reason, even now, when I go on my, onto my ESPN app, that fight's not available for me. I don't know what it is. I can still watch all the other fights, but I missed that fight obviously because we were doing uh, rehearsals for Bellator. So I had to go back and watch it later. So I watched all these fights, uh, late yesterday when I got home from, uh, Bellator. So I don't know why, but for some reason I can't seem to watch this fight. So, and I heard it was a good fight. I heard that Alan, Brendan Allen looked really good. So I'm looking forward to uh, giving him some love and some props and, uh, and covering him, covering his, uh, his, uh, performance. So other than that though, good stuff. You know, uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up on the, the UFC talk. And, uh, Dave, what do you want to talk about next? You want to talk Bellator next or you want to talk, um, you want to talk one? Um, let's roll on to Bellator as you know the next okay. biggest card of the weekend, and then we'll we'll um, we'll give some one because I think we've there's, there's like a handful of fights on one, right? So we'll we'll mm-hmm. kind of um get to that in the yeah. later part of the show. Okay, that sounds good. All right, so Bellator, um, you have Patricio Pitbull and Adam Boric. I don't know if you guys watched the broadcast, but John and I brought a little flavor from the Wayne and podcast right onto the live screen, and uh, we had some fun. I had a lot of people reaching out to us, going, "Hey, man." You guys were, you guys were hilarious. You guys were funny. We like to dig and take some digs at each other, but in all respect, you know, obviously John and I are really good friends and, um, it's been one of those, it's been one of those, uh, 
uh, fights that we both kind of differed on. I believe that Patricio was going to have find a way to get around the speed of Adam Boric, to get around the 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 reach and the and the length of Adam Boric. And I'm a big Adam Boric fan, man. I've loved watching him fight since he first broke onto the scene. Even when they had when we had the featherweight World Grand Prix, I considered him my dark horse to to win the whole thing. You know, and then uh, he made a mistake, and and Darren Caldwell caught him in a submission in the, I believe it was like in the first round of the, of the Grand Prix, and Patricio made his way all the way through that tournament until he met up with AJ McKee in the finals. Now, in this fight, it really came down to, and once again, f- talking about fight IQ, it really came down to fight IQ. This was one of those fights where the Trevin Jones uh, fight as well with... um. Who did Trevin Jones fight? I just talked about it. Sorry, CTE for you guys. It was, can you look up the UFC? It was, uh, uh, Castella, Casta, yeah. gosh, what was his name? Here you go. Um, John Castaneda. Castaneda. Oh, wait, you said no, Trevin no, no, Jones. Trevin Jones. No, Trevin no, no, Trevin Jones. Trevin Jones. Up, up. He's up at the top more. Yeah, more there you more. go. Uh, he fought, uh, Raoni Barcelos. Barcelos, there you go, Barcelos. So Barcelos made Trevin Jones, gave Trevin Jones some fits, and Trevin Jones couldn't figure him out. And that's exactly what happened here in the main event for the Bellator car with Patricio and Adam. Adam was having a hard time judging the this not just the speed, but the accuracy and the power of Patricio. Adam Borch is known for a stand being a stand-up fighter, good takedown defense, all of those things. And when it really came down to the to to the fight and how that Patricio and how Adam Borch was going to get in on Patricio and land his shots, use that reach and that range to keep him at bay, Patricio just waited. He waited in the, into the shadows and just said, "Hey, come to me. When you come to me, I'm going to make you pay." And it seemed like every time Adam Borch came out and tried to make him pay, Patricio just touched him with something, and he felt the power, and it made Adam Borch throughout the whole fight. Be hesitant to throw or overcommit on something or commit to his striking. And that's really, it's just really hard to win, you know, a title fight against someone who has got such a high fight IQ. I mean, people, I, I, even, even on Twitter, people were talking about, man, Patricio, it wasn't the most exciting fight. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't the most exciting fight. And I'm going to be honest. They both could have probably done a little bit more. But at the end of the day, Patricio fought a very smart fight. He fought. He fought a fight that really, he's done everything that he's needed to do in the, in the 145 pound division. He's talking about dropping down to 135 to be the very first champion to ever win three belts in three different weight classes in the sport of MMA. No one else has ever done that. Um, this, this guy, and I've said this for the long time, I've always been extremely high on Patricio Pitbull. For someone who is not a tall guy, he's not a long guy, he possesses power. He's, he can, he can mix up his fighting style. You know, when he had fought uh, Michael Chandler, he came out in that real, like, kind of karate-style stance, uh, I think, to stop the takedowns if, if he was going to shoot. And then then in this uh, Adam Boris fight, he came out in more of a boxing-centric uh, type stance and just stood his ground and said, come to me. What do you got? Bring it, and I'm going to take it. And every time Adam Boris tried to hit that flying knee, he countered him really well, sat him to his butt one time off of it, uh, was able to do- get to the top position, the fin- I, I had even tried to use a highlight. Uh, I was going to use a highlight in our conversation with John and I live on air, but I took it out in the last minute so we could have more time to talk shit to each other. And it just came down to, 
I had a highlight of Patricio and his wrestling, who which just doesn't get as much credit as it deserves. He was able, you know, in his past, in Patricio's past fights, he's been able to take down guys like Juan Archuleta. You know, he took down Adam Boric several times in this several times in this fight. He knows when to utilize his wrestling, and he knows when to to stand and bang. And if you go back and watch, and I encourage all of you guys, if you guys want to know something about him, about Patricio Pitbull, look what, look at the way he used to fight. He used to fight careless. He used to fight overly aggressive. He would get caught with things and then come back and have to knock people out because he was down on the rounds, but he just had that knockout power. His first fight with Dale Weichel was one of the most uh, incredible, insane fights where he got dropped, he got rocked, and then saved by the bell, and then he came out in the second round and just knocked Daniel Weissel out. It just, just great fights. You know, you go back and watch his fight with Daniel Strauss. He was getting pieced up for four rounds, ends up getting the submission, getting the, getting the takedown, getting the submission against Daniel Strauss. I believe it was their first fight. It might have been their second, but I believe it was their first fight. Every fighter he's ever fought, except for Joe Warren. That he's lost to. He's come back and got a win against. He's redeemed himself every single time. And throughout his career, he has made adjustments to go ahead and vindicate himself. To go ahead and say, you know what? That guy, he beat me. He did it with AJ McKee. Uh, he's done it before in the past with Daniel Strauss, Pat Curran. Uh, you know, guys that were just phenomenal fighters. He's come back and found ways to beat him. He has learned over the years that standing and banging will work. But it's also better to sometimes... Learn your opponent, make your adjustments, come back and figure out how to beat them. And he's done that every single time and look for him to continue to make his run. I'd really, really like to see him fight one more time at 145. I'm not really sure. Can you pull up the, the weight class for me, please? And the rankings to see who might potentially be in there for him to fight at 145. And I'd like to see him go down to 135 and fight the winner of the Bantamweight World Grand Prix that's going on right now. We're in the semifinals. We're about to see who's going to get into the finals. But in this mix-up, AJ McKee's going to probably jump into the, the lightweight rankings after beating Spike Carlisle. Um, I don't know how because Spike Carlisle is not ranked, but I think he'll be in that mix somewhere in the, in the lightweight division. But in this position here for the, for the featherweights, um, you know, it was, I can imagine it was going to be Aaron Pico, but Aaron Pico, um, tore his shoulder. So I'm not sure if they're going to end up having a, they're going to end up having him sit out for a bit. If he's going to have surgery, they're going to do the MRIs, I believe, tomorrow. And then he's already he's already beat Pedro Cavallo. He's already beat him. He's, you know, the Mads Vernell. Pedro just beat Mads. So that fight's probably out. I could potentially see a fight with Jeremy Kennedy. You know, Jeremy Kennedy looked really good up until the moment that Aaron Pico tore his shoulder. But all those things aside, Jeremy Kennedy was doing what he had to do against Aaron Pico. And Aaron, there's a lot, a lot of buzz around Aaron Pico right now. You know, you got Justin Gonzalez who's in there as well. So you've got Justin Gonzalez, Aaron Pico, or not Aaron Pico, but Jeremy Kennedy. Those two guys right now, they deserve to be up there in the mix. And so they're going to make some big jumps, uh, with their, with, uh, with their wins coming up. Justin Gonzalez fighting the end of this month. So if he gets a win, look for him to really kind of rise up into that, in those rankings. And you've got Jeremy Kennedy who uh, will pr probably be ranked at number three or number four, somewhere in there. So that, that to me, if you're going to have Patricio fight again, I'm looking forward to seeing him maybe fight someone like a Jeremy Kennedy. That might be a good fight. Uh, that's going to wrap up our, uh, our my talk on the main event. But let's see who talked about the, the co-main event, which was the stud, the hometown guy, AJ McKee fighting Spike Carlisle. This fight 
Dave, this fight was insane. Did you watch this fight, Dave? Yeah, that this is. fight was insane. This we we kind of knew that Spike Carlisle was going to be aggressive like this. We had talked to him during the fighter meetings through uh, earlier in the week, and he, <laughs> I said on the broadcast, I go, he's he's after his last performance when he fought uh, Dan Moret, you know, he was he was losing that fight from beginning to end. He was losing that fight, and at the very end, he was able to get Dan Moret's back. Uh, Dan Moret made a mistake from exhaustion. He got to his back and was able to get the submission. Spike Carlisle is a tough guy. Um, he's, he's talented on, he's got good submissions. He's extremely strong. He's got that redheaded ninja, ginger strength that everyone talks about. And I've wrestled a lot of redheads in my wrestling career when I was younger. And they're, they've got that, that strength. And I don't want to use the terminology, but <laughs> they've got that strength that just, that's just not, just not normal. So it's, just, it's, it's not a normal strength. And so it's so funny. So I'll let Spike Carlisle tell you guys how, how, how redheads are known for being that type of uh, strength. His walkout was fantastic. His um, um, Hulkamania type walkout was f- hilarious. It was fun. It was energetic, man. It got the crowd going. And it was right before you're fighting the guy that's, that's from Long Beach and AJ McKee. And so he came out and did everything that Spike was supposed to do, man. He was supposed to continue to be in that fight to the bitter end and he was i was really i was really impressed with his ability to not just take damage but his ability to really reverse positions to fight out of positions to um to really put pressure on aj to make aj be aware of this is what you're going to get in the lightweight division and aj aj answered everything and look and i i think i've seen aj get tired and I've talked about AJ's uh, fatigue and like being, but how much of that was due to, to due to the the weight cut to get to 145? AJ's a tall guy. He's five eleven, almost six foot. He's a tall guy. Um, he held the muscle really well. If you look at his weigh-in pictures and you look at the way he looked when he walked in the cage, he looked phenomenal. Uh, his he can carry that muscle just fine. I, I want to kind of maybe correlate him a little bit to to uh, Conor McGregor. When Connor went from from um, from forty five to fifty five, I thought he looked good. You know, Connor carried the weight well. Speed was there. The ability was there. I think you're seeing a little bit of that with AJ McKee. The body frame allows that to happen. Now, I'm not only I'm only talking about the body frame between the two in terms of uh, relating them. That's it. I'm not talking about the fighting styles. I'm not talking about their abilities. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. AJ McKee to me has all the tools to become the lightweight champ. Now it's going to be for me. I feel like it's a lot tougher of a road than him going back down to 45 because the guys that the guys that Patricio has been known to have problems with are the guys that are extremely fast and long. And he had problems with AJ in their first fight with the speed was it just threw. I think it really caught him off guard how fast AJ McKee is. And um, that I just don't think AJ is going to want to go back down to 45 after feeling how good he felt. After t- I talked to him afterwards, he felt really good at 55. He felt like he still had tons of energy to do to do four or five rounds. Um, and so I think in this fight, he let he let he let Spike Carlisle lead the dance in that first minute and a half of the fight. And I got nervous because I didn't know if AJ McKee was going to start to slow down as the fight went on because I knew that Spike Carlisle was not going to slow down as this fight went on. But I thought AJ answered the bell. He answered all the questions that I had about him. I would like to see him tighten things up a little bit more. Um, 
He really fought well in that third round because he needed to make sure that he slowed Spike down. And that's exactly what he did. In my breakdown of the fight leading up to it was that he needed to control the top position. He needed to get to the back and slow Spike down. He needed to make sure that all those things that he can do, that he has the ability to do in wrestle and stay long, use your speed, make that, keep them guessing, dominate the top position. He had to utilize all those tools to slow Spike Carlisle down. And that's exactly what he did. I got to tip my hat, man. Good job by AJ McKee. Now I know that Spike Carlisle is not a top level fighter. I mean, he is good. He's tough. He's durable. He's all those things. But there's something to be said about young fighters like AJ McKee is young in learning so how Spike. to control your, yeah, Spike's young as well, but learning how to control yourself and not, not put your, not jeopardize everything that you've been working for, you know, for a highlight reel knockout. That says a lot about your maturity as a fighter. That says a lot about you and where your, what your focus is on being one of the best. So AJ did a great job. Spike Carlisle did a great job. Um, that fight was fun for the crowd. AJ McKee coming home. There's a lot of pressure on getting a win in your hometown. Family's there. Friends are there. All bugging you. Where's the after party? Hey, my tickets aren't in will call. Like all that shit gets to you. And just got to put your phone away. Step away from all that. You know, let give your phone, you know, to someone you trust. They won't, don't scroll through it and swipe left and right through your pictures. Give your phone to somebody else that, that, you know, that will hold your phone until after the fight, you know, and, uh, and I think, I feel like he came out and had a great performance. It was a fun fight from beginning to end, from walkouts all the way down. So good stuff, man. Jeremy Kennedy and Aaron Pico, unfortunate, you know, injury by Aaron Pico, uh, shoulder popped out. There was believed to be, well, in the broadcast, and I got a lot of flack for this, guys. And I'm going to talk about this more when John gets on here is that, they were talking about a broken clavicle. Well, apparently it's not broken. Uh, we got an update by Aaron Pico. It's not broken. So what, what his coach was trying to do is put it back in, wasn't able to put it back in. Bottom line is, if the fighter can still fight, and I'm, now that I'm going to go back, because I said this on air, I went back. If the fighter is willing to still fight with just, with, with just a dislocated shoulder and not a broken clavicle or a broken collarbone or you know whatever it is, if it's not broken, then allowing them to fight should have been should have been allowed. Look, because if look, if someone's finger is dislocated and you can continue to pop it back in, John's John's said this on this podcast. If you can pop it back in yourself or continue to try to get it popped back in, or you can fight with it just, just with it dislocated, you need to allow that fighter to fight. And if they start taking shots, unnecessary damage, then you stop the fight. And I'm going to continue to say this. I'm going to say it over and over and over again. You need to allow these fighters. If it's not life altering, if it's not like if you, if it's not gonna, if the shoulders popped out, the cartilage is damaged, the shoulders damaged, like that, it's going to, you're going to pop it back in eventually. And then they're going to have the surgery probably as a slap tear somewhere in the labrum, something like that. Then that's that, that's not doing damage to his brain. That's not doing damage, you know, like that's, there's going to be some more damage there, but it's something that they can fix surgically. Same thing with the finger, same thing with, uh, you know, an ankle, whatever it is, you know, um, if you can get it done, you can get it done. So I believe that in this scenario, they should have let him come out. He never asked for a timeout. He never asked, uh, you know, he never, he never Winston pain. He never, he never submitted by verbally submission, uh, by complaining about it. I mean, for Christ's sake. 
in the corner. His fucking corner was pulling on it, yanking on it, almost yanking him out of the damn seat. And he wasn't wincing. He wasn't flinching. He wasn't, ah, he wasn't doing any of those things. He was trying to get his shoulder back in place. And so I feel like in this scenario, they should have let him continue to fight. And if he would have started to take damage, then they would have stopped the fight. Okay, look, we're going to give you, if I see you wince, if I see you yell out, or if you yell out in pain, or if, if you're taking, if you take two to three big shots, or if you take a shot, you know, I, I'm going to stop this fight sooner. And I would have given him that alternative to do that. Um, but all of that aside, all of that aside, I've got to give Jeremy Kennedy his due, man. I ran into him at the, uh, at the hotel afterwards. And I, t- I just told him, I said, hey, man, Aaron Pico is my boy, man. Aaron Pico, I've known for a long time, you know, for almost 10, probably about 10 years now. I've known him since he was young, you know, obviously a young kid. He is a fantastic person. But you know what? You had a great fight. You can't take it away because that that damage was caused by, it seemed like it was caused. He, Aaron says it was caused from the the miss of the, the left hook, which that could have been. Uh, but the takedown came right after that. And, Jer- and Jeremy Kennedy did a great job of implementing his game plan, getting in deep on the takedown, got the takedown. You got to think you're taking down Aaron Pico, one of the best wrestlers, I think, in the sport. One of the best. And uh, Jeremy Kennedy did everything he needed to get done. You got to tip your hat to him. I've got to give him his due. Great job, young man. Looking forward to seeing you fight again. Looking forward to maybe even getting a title shot off of that. Because there was a lot of buzz that Aaron Pico was going to be next in line and had he won and had he beat you. And what you did is when I look at those rankings, there's AJ McKee who may be at 55 now. They may push him out of the out of the featherweight division. And then now you've got other fighters that are there in Pedro and you'll probably be in that mix. But there's fighters there that he's already fought, that, that Patricio's already fought. So why not give them somebody like a, James, a Jeremy Kennedy? If, they, if, if Patricio is going to stay at 145 for one more fight, that would be a fight I'd like to see. And Jeremy, um, Jeremy finds a way to win, man. Jeremy fine. He continues to come through his wrestling. He told me when he had told me in the fighter meetings that he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, I'm going to get a takedown on him. And I was like, uh, in my mind, you know what I mean? In my mind, I'm like, I don't know, man, this is going to be, this is going to be a tough task, but big time win for the JBC. I don't know what B means. Hey, John. But hey, Josh. <laughs> yes. Um, so I was gonna. I wanted to ask you this because it seemed like you you were alone in the camp of um, let Aaron Pico continue. Because I was on Twitter while the fight was happening, and and you know name people that people that cover the show and things like that. It seemed like a lot of people were saying, you know, I've had a dislocated shoulder, it really hurts. Like, yeah, so I stop. <laughs> well, and that's why I'm asking you. That's why I'm asking you. Um, do you mm-hmm. do you stand by that position of like? Let, absolutely. Would you, knowing what you know now, have let the fight? I mean, absolutely. Do you, do you think it should have continued? Yeah, absolutely. They were telling, but John was telling me. John, on the in our exchange afterwards, had said that it was a. Uh, it sounded like looked like it was a broken clavicle. This and that, and then I'm like, okay, well, the doctor thinks it's a broken clavicle, which now Aaron Biko has come out and he did an updated video. It's on his Instagram. That it's just a dislocated shoulder. Now, now, mind you, his corner is not a doctor. His corner doesn't know how. His corner doesn't know how to put a shoulder in, and that was evident by the way he was yanking on it and trying to put it back in. But that's not how you put a shoulder back in. You know, you pull it out a little bit as much as you can, and you give it a twist, and sometimes it'll slide back in, and sometimes it won't. 
and you've got to twist it towards or back, you know, to try to get it to pop itself back in. Um, you can try to elevate it and sometimes it'll do that as well. And sometimes you can, you can do the whole lethal weapon type thing and bang it against the wall. Okay. Some people will try and do that as well. But ultimately, in a, just in a dislocated shoulder scenario, I'm going to go with le- allowing him to fight. I've dislocated my shoulder and it, it does hurt. But at no point did Aaron Pico want, he didn't want to be favored. He didn't want to be given, uh, special treatment because his shoulder was popped out. He just wanted to fight. And, and you need, I feel like you need to allow him to fight. Look, we've seen fighters with dislocated fingers. What is the difference between a dislocated finger and a dislocated shoulder? Cause the bigger part, I mean, give the guy an opportunity to fight. If I'm the doctor, if I'm the ref, Look, I'm going to allow you to fight. It's a dislocated shoulder. I'm going to allow you to fight. But if you take any unnecessary damage whatsoever, I'm stopping this thing. You have, you know, you have moments. And I, I say the same thing about cuts. If you have a cut that is like, it's bad. The doctor wants to stop it. Say, look, give me a minute. Give me one minute of this fight to go out there and try to get rid of this guy. If I can't get rid of him, then stop the fight. But if I'm winning this fight in one minute, then keep, let me keep going. You know, and if it starts to get too bad or if it starts to get too bloody, whatever it is, then go ahead and stop the fight. But ultimately, you've got to give these fighters an opportunity. There's a lot at stake. And I think Patrice, uh, not Patrice, but Aaron Pico was slated to be next in line for a title shot. You know, this is a little bit of, this is a minor setback. This is not something that's going to kick him out of the rankings. He won't be all the way down there ranked at number seven. They're not going to do that to him. And be honest, given the circumstances, they're going to probably drop him. <clears throat> They'll probably just drop him one. I think they'll keep him ranked ahead of Pedro Cavallo. I think they're going to keep him ranked ahead of Mads Brunel. They'll keep him ranked ahead of Daniel Weichel. But they're going to bump Jeremy Kennedy up, probably up to number three. He'll be below Adam Boric, and AJ McKee will either stay there for a little bit longer, or they'll bounce him out, and then everyone will slide up one. But whatever it is, I still stand my yes. No, why why was he fighting so far backwards then if it was a title contender fight? Uh, because everyone was already matched up. <clears throat> so like Pedro had just fought last weekend. Adam Borch was fighting for the title. AJ McKee was already fighting Spike Carlisle. Who was he going to fight? Yeah. I mean, you know, Jeremy Kennedy was ready and available. And the other thing too is when Aaron Pico was ranked lower <clears throat> around six, they've been trying to make this fight for almost three, three times now. So both times, two times, I think this is the third time they try to make this fight. Both times. Jeremy had some issues, I think, with the visa problems to, from Canada to here because of COVID. And then the second time, I think Jeremy got hurt. So now this fight happened. Uh, now that this fight happened, uh, you're going to see Jeremy probably butt jump up to number three. And then Aaron will probably slide down to number four. And they'll, you know, and they'll mix these guys all up. I mean, but I, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to stand by. I'm going to stand by with the, uh, which I believe is they should have let Aaron Pico go out there and fight. That's what I'm going to stand by it for right now. I'm going to stand by it unless, unless I have a conversation with big John and the rules have sometimes somehow excuse me from saying, go ahead and allow this, but he's been on this show. John's been on this show because if you look at the Russian guy that fought, um, that fought, I believe he fought, uh, who did he fight? Syed Soma in Russia. Um, nah, what's his name? His last fight. Anyways, his finger was dislocated. He looked at the ref and told the ref my finger, and the ref stopped the action. And once the ref stops the action, you can't recontinue it. So if it's, if it's a dislocated finger and he stopped the action, who was it? Minikoff. Yeah, Minikoff. There you go. So Vitaly Minikoff, he stopped the finger. He stopped the action. 
boom. Aaron Pico never stopped the action. He went back to his corner, had it done in between, the, you know, for the 60 seconds for his rest time. Couldn't get it back in, but should still be allowed to fight. Minikoff could have kept fighting with, the, with a dislocated finger. He just chose to point at the ref and say, hey, my finger, once you do that, it's over. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I got a lot. I've got a lot to uh, talk about. All right. So for me, the fight that really kind of stole the show outside of the Spike Carlisle and AJ McKee fight was the Juan Archuleta and uh, Enrique Barzola. Barzola trains at AKA. You know, uh, he'd been there. He's been there for a long time. Archuleta came in. They fought at a catch weight at 140. Both of them looked fantastic. It was a good, it was a good fight. A lot of action, wrestling, takedowns, up, down, all of those things. I thought Juan Archuleta looked fantastic. You can tell there's a little frustration in Juan Archuleta's voice when I talked to him this week. He's having an issue with the fact that like he wants to be as busy as possible. And, but he fights the best at 135. He just doesn't want to have to keep cutting that weight to get to 35. Um, for fights that aren't really getting him closer to the title. Now, the Barzola fight may potentially keep him. Now, this was a fight, really, that puts him as an alternate for the uh, Bantamweight Grand Prix. These two guys, this they will end up being the alternates for the Bantamweight World Grand Prix, and I'm looking forward to seeing if something does happen. Say, Pachi Mix gets hurt, or uh, Magomed Magomedov gets hurt, or Rafael Stotts gets hurt, whatever. If someone gets hurt, we now have a chance to see a Juan Archuleta step back in there, the former champion, and get into the mix and have a, and, and be mixed up in there. I'd like to see him in Rafael Stotts. I'd like to see, uh, the, the, uh, a repeat of the Rafael Stotts fight because he was beating Rafael Stotts in that first round. Stotts caught him with the head kick while then was able to finish it up. But that fight was going Juan Archuleta's way. So that mixes it up. Now you put Stotts and Sabatello together, or not Stotts, but, uh, Archuleta and Sabatello together. That's another fight that I'd like to see. Are you mixing him in there with uh, Magomed Magomedov? Good wrestler, good striking, you know, just dangerous everywhere. Or Patchy Mix, which they've already fought. And Mix was able to dominate and hit Juan Archuleta for two rounds. And then came back, Juan just came back in that third, fourth, and fifth. And just started, you know, putting the cardio to work. Really testing uh, Patchy Mix. And Patchy Mix has learned a lot since that fight with Juan Archuleta. And has been on a win streak and on a terror since then. But great fight. If you guys didn't get a chance to watch that fight, go check that fight out. It was a very action-packed fight from beginning to end. Uh, Keone Diggs got a good win. You know, um, just utilized some wrestling, utilized his stand-up, stuck and move, good boxer. Islam Mamadov did exactly what he always does. Came out, dominated the wrestling, dominated the top position. Great stuff. J.J. Wilson uh, shouldn't have won by a split decision. He should have won this fight from beginning to end. It was a, it was. I gave Tokov one round, but it should have never been a split. Should have been 29-28 all the way for J.J. Wilson. And scroll, scroll on down. Can't see. I don't want to butcher this guy's name, but uh, Khalid, he ended up getting a nice win. Got the mount position, TKO from strikes. But the girl that I wanted you guys, the female that I wanted you guys all to pay attention to, Samika Naba, she is a dog. She is and not in an not in, in ugly way. She's extremely beautiful, but she has dogs in her hands. She will throw. She is a scrapper. She comes out. She's got great technique, but she comes out. She will throw and exchange with you at any moment, at any time. She had a great fight. Good job. Tough fight back and forth, but an overall dominant performance, I thought, by her, utilizing the kicks and utilizing her hands, mixing a little bit of wrestling here and there. Great job by her. Uh, Lance Gibson Jr., 
Oh, he he uh, he looked fantastic. He got taken down, which actually kind of surprised me that he got taken down. But then what also surprised me is he had a very strong, aggressive uh, transition to the to the triangle that I wasn't expecting. I know that he's good on the ground. He's got good Kimuras. He's a physically strong uh, human being. And you can see, by the way, when he gets on top, how he dominates top positions. But from his back, he slid that triangle and it wasn't like he attacked it fast. He controlled the positioning and the posture with his legs so well. I was like, holy shit. And it got, when you can tell, as soon as he put it on, the, 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 the strength in his legs sucked Clark in and Clark wasn't going anywhere. Great job by him. So, uh, Bobby Seronio looked good and, uh, CJ Hamilton, um, checked a kick on Palencia. Palencia, boom, broken leg. Got the Anderson Silva type broken leg. Leg kind of flopped around a little bit. Went to put his weight down on it. Leg broken. Insane. Insane. Like Very cringeworthy when you start doing that. But hey, that's going to wrap up our Bellator talk. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that portion of the show. And now we're going to get into some one. You know, there wasn't a lot of fights on this card. But um, Zong versus Lee. What a fight. Absolutely what a fight. Angela Lee, you are... You are impressive. You are impressive, my girl. And Zong, she is a fantastic fighter. Fantastic fighter. These two put on one of the best female fights that I've seen in a long time. If you guys haven't seen it, go to go to Prime Video. Check it out. It, it was a fantastic fight. Angela Lee took in the first round. She got dropped twice, took some big shots, got wobbled. I mean, I was like, oh, this is not going to go well for her. Zong in her standup is clean. It is does not it does not stray away from the tightness of her technique, and she possesses power. Fantastic, fantastic fighter. I mean, she she's not afraid to take the fight to the ground. She's not afraid to to be on that top position against Angela Lee, who is a fantastic jiu-jitsu girl, uh, female. She is somebody that people avoid the ground with her. And Zong was like, nope, I'm going to jump on top of you. I'm going to lay down some huge ground and pound. This was action-packed from beginning to end. Angela Lee looked phenomenal, coming forward, trying to get takedowns, trying to get to, even on the feet, she was landing some clean shots. You could just tell the power in Zong over Lee when it came to the striking was so evident. And uh, Angela Lee would hit her with a shot, and Zong wouldn't move backwards. She would eat it and come forward and land shots and move Angela Lee backwards. And if you're moving someone backwards with your shots, it makes it very hard for that fighter who is known for their grappling, known for their takedowns, to try and get a takedown on you when they're always fighting off their back foot. She had to lower a level, get in, and try and get to the takedown. Now, I look, I compare her a little bit with Mackenzie Dern, except that Angela Lee is the better uh, wrestler. Angela Lee's got good wrestling. It's not bad. McKinsey's wrestling is not good, but I give McKinsey Dern's grappling is better than Angela Lee's. But they 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 suffer from the same type of issue is that they've got to work on getting better at both positions to get this fight to the ground. Angela Lee, she's got good wrestling. Her jiu-jitsu is really good. And McKinsey Dern needs to work on her wrestling to get the fight to the ground to utilize her jiu-jitsu. Angela Lee needs to work on a couple things. She needs to work on not throwing her kicks with her chin in the air. That's one. Two is she needs to work on putting her kicks behind her striking, behind her 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 boxing. She boxes and then she try like when she kicks, there's a hesitation between the two, between like it's 
boxing and then it's a stop, like a small little pause and then the kick or it's the kick. And then by the time she gets her kick back, then she goes to box. She's got to tighten up that, bringing that leg back because Zong is such a, a talented striker that every time that Lee threw, there was a gap in between the combinations, whether it was the kicking and the boxing, there was a gap in between there that Zong was able to exploit. And then that was a lot of the beginning of the, that was the, kind of the beginning of the end for, for Lee. Good stuff, good transitions. Um, but it was a fantastic fight. I thought it was good all the way around. Zong is, this is their third fight. Angela's won one, Angela's lost one. I mean, now that she lost two, but this was a good fight. It was a, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I know, I know they'll probably end up having this fight again. They're going to end up meeting again. But I want, I, I'm kind of wondering and curious where Angela Lee goes from here because like they said, they fought three times and she's come up on the short end twice. So I'd like to see what, you know, where, where they both go from here. But both of them extremely talented flyweight fighters. Um, looking forward to seeing them fight again. Angela Lee is a stud. She's an animal and Zong proved that she is the same. Um, fair tech stamp, which on here it says Nong stamp, but they, everyone, they call her fair tech stamp. So she, she just was dominant. Just, she was the bigger fighter. She seemed like she was the stronger fighter. She had the cleaner stand up. When she got on top, she did some nasty ground and pound. She did threaten her. She did almost get caught in a triangle, but she, uh, was able to work her way out of it, use her strength to kind of, you know, withstand the, the triangle pressure. She got herself out. Uh, overall, she's extremely talented, but if you are not that great on the ground, which she's good in the top position, but she jeopardizes herself a lot by staying in the guard. Get to the three-quarter mount. Get to the, the half-guard position. Don't hang out in that guard position knowing that your opponent is mainly jiu-jitsu. And if you're not extremely talented on the ground at that level of jiu-jitsu, stay out of their guard. All of their attacks come from the guard. Stay out of the guard. Hit to the, like, Randy Couture made a living from the three-quarter mount. You know, and he, he made a living from the half-guard position. He made his living from there because he knew... There was less submission threats from there. So he didn't have to worry about it. So he would just do work from there. Do nasty ground and pound from there. He would posture, hit up some big striking. That's where Randy Couture made his living. And that's where I think if, if Fairtech Stamp is going to be going to the ground more often, which she should. I think she should because that's how you become a very well-rounded fighter. She needs to learn the positions that the submissions are not as much of a threat. That three-quarter mount, that half guard, that side control, all of those things... She needs to make sure she tries to maintain those positions. Uh, I don't want her to butcher this guy's name, so, but his name is, can you make it bigger, Dave? Because I can't even see it. My eyes are so bad, dude. I need Framanoff. to get some glasses. Yes, Framanoff. He looked good. Great kickboxing. Big time knees. Dropped him. Jumped on. Big knees to the head. Just good, good combinations. Good. Just overall fight IQ. Very impressive. Dominated the positions. All of that stuff. Um, for some reason on the, on this thing, I didn't see the, uh, Takahashi fight and the Halil Amir fight. They weren't on my Amazon Prime video. So unless I missed it, uh, but I went back and watched the whole show again yesterday and last night just to make sure. But, uh, the, the very first fight for me was the Framanoff fight on the Amazon Prime video. So I saw the, the top three fights and then I also saw, uh, Mikey's fight, the Jiu Jitsu match. Uh, that was good. Very impressive. I'm surprised they don't have it listed on here on the card. This is the only for the MMA. 
But if it's on the Amazon Prime, guys, start showing it on here because I think a lot of people would have, more people would have tuned in knowing that he was on there. Um, and he, he I thought it was, a, I thought it was a great grappling match to watch. A lot of, a lot of anti grappling from his opponent, but it was good. Uh, there was some good stuff. All right. So, hey, that's going to wrap up our one talk and we're going to jump right into some news. What do you got for us? Oh, no. Yep. This is news, but this is more yep. fight action with bare knuckle yep. fighting. We have Ben Rothwell, man. Ben Rothwell making short work of his opponent, which is what he should be doing. This, I feel like he's tailor made for this. This, like, I feel like, what were you doing in MMA, man? This is your bread and butter right here. He's got power in his hands. He's a mountain of a man. And I think this is, he's going to have a good career in this. I don't know how long he plans on doing it, but I think he's going to be somebody in this, in this bare knuckle world. I think he's going to be here for a while. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Ben Rothwell. Made short work of his opponent. I think it was like 18 seconds total. Great job by him. Congratulations to him. He's a great guy. Like the guy, you know, little, uh, little uh, soft-spoken. Uh, <laughs> ben Rothwell for being such a big guy. But uh, great performance. Good job, buddy. All right. So there's a, a lot of talk about Bone Nickel right now. Um, and so I'm going to... I'm going to try and piece some things together for you and then let you take it away, right? So he actually just got a fight booked for the December UFC 282 card against Jamie Pickett. Um, there has been talk of um, Bonico and Hamza just because Bonico said it's a fight he's interested in. You know, the, their talk on the wrestling and all that. Um, and then Hamza did reply to him and basically just said, who is that boy? and yeah. so so hamzat's like um you know clearly not not interested in that fight yeah. hamzat also did say he tweeted out um that colby covington is next so is he not doing 185 and going back to 70 is he being I, allowed to do that like um, i no I'm, i don't know but look i really believe that if you're gonna make 70 you're gonna i think and i'm all for him staying at 70 guys like i know like i went hard on the paint on him for missing weight because if you're going to be in that top group of fighters, you know, in terms of the top three, top four, whatever it is, the number one job that you have when you sign that contract is to make weight. And it wasn't like he missed it by a little. And we're like, oh, well, he was only three pounds off until the doctor told him, you guys don't know that. Oh, because is that what, who told you that? Dana White? Kamzat's coaches? Stop believing everything you guys read. That's not true. Like it just, it just is. It's just not like you. We, I until I see the video footage. Seven pounds. I mean, maybe he's yeah, sure. Let's say he was off by five. But you don't know. Like that's the thing. No one knows. Maybe if you're listening to the coaches, coaches lie all the time. By the way, you know, it's it happens. Now, if he can make seventy, right. which we've seen him make seventy, I want to see him. What you got? What do you got for me, Dave? You were say oh no, something. you're good. I'm just gonna bring you back. I'm gonna bring you back to the conversation in just a second. Yeah, here once you're done. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 my, my, my thing with him is that if he's gonna make seventy, and he can make seventy, we seem to make seventy. I'm down. I'm down with that. Now, in terms of his conversation with, uh, with Bo Nickel, it's a couple more pieces here. Okay, go so, ahead. So, so Hamza, give me the know, full. Give, give, give me the full yes. thing, buddy. All give right. it to me. So, so there's there's a few pieces, and I, I kind of want to just kind of get you to touch on all of it, but also I want to make it comprehensive for you. So, Bonico's got a fight scheduled to UFC two to Jamie Pickett, 
Hamzat doesn't seem interested in him right now, um, but Bonico has, you know, said that's a fight he would like. DC said that Bonico beats Hamzat, which is... Um, in wrestling. Well, you know, which is wild, considering the guy's just coming off Dana White's contender series. Um, no, he says... he said DC said Bonico beats Hamzat. He didn't specify wrestling, so, I, you know, if you heard something else... Um, oh, might, I, I didn't. Might. I didn't hear. I didn't hear it. But I know Aaron Pico. I know a couple of the wrestlers and Henry Cejudo came out. Also, I believe they all came out and said that Bonicle destroys Hamza in wrestling. Now and I didn't I've hear seen... the DC. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But in fighting. So, so, so I've heard that, and then on top of that, I've also heard like um, like Luke Thomas and Brendan Shaw ask the question of like, is this the biggest signing? Maybe even state it actually, is this the biggest signing in UFC's history as far as prospect goes? Um from an you know, from a um prospect of like star, stardom. Oh. So so there's your full picture. Um fight booked. Uh people saying he can beat Hamzat. Hamzat not interested. Biggest prospect in UFC history. What what what's your thoughts on all of that? Okay. So Bo Nickel fighting Hamzat. That's not going to happen. UFC is not going to allow it to happen. Not right now. Now, they may try to fast track him, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bo Nickel doesn't see a top level guy for at least another year and a half, two years. I, I just don't see it. And I'm going to give you guys an example. Or I'm going to give you guys a reason why. And I had this conversation with John. <clears throat> And I had this conversation with a lot of people that were at the Bellator, like weigh-ins. We were talking about Bo Nickel. We were talking about Aaron Pico. Talking about these, you know, top-level wrestlers that come into the sport. If you go back and watch his last fight. <laughs> sorry. If you go back and watch his last fight. Very dominant performance. There's no doubt about it. Beautiful triangle. All of that stuff being said. He went from the top position to the bottom position. In that transition of trying to finish the triangle. And I, I said this earlier. We're not giving up. If you're at the top level of fighting. You are not giving up. The top position. For submission attempts. Mackenzie Dern put herself on top. Tack the arm bar ends up on bottom. Mackenzie Dern puts herself on top. Attacks the triangle. Puts herself on bottom. Like all these things. Like these, this is this. Against top level competition, which Dern found out against Jan, is that you don't want to end up losing your top position to chase a submission. Bo Nickel still, like, he's talented. There's no doubt about it. He's a huge, he's a huge signing. Absolutely. Now, in terms of being the biggest signing in history, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, I'm sorry, but Patty Pimlet's a bigger signing than him. Uh, Aaron Peak, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Conor McGregor, bigger signing than him. Uh, it's just been proven that they 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 move the needle a lot. I think they're gonna end. now. I don't know if they'll continue to move the needle, and Bo Nickel may catch them and move the needle as well. But look at what these guys did when they first came in. They they're moving the needle. They were moving the needle before they even came in. Bo is doing the same thing. He's on the right track, but I don't I don't see it. Ha I don't see him being a bigger signing than Conor McGregor. Or um, he may end up being a bigger one than Patty Pimlet, but not right now. I don't think right now. He may prove me wrong later on down the line. I, I believe that he is. He has a full package. He's got the wrestling. There's no doubt about that. He obviously possesses power. Um, I want to remind people that he's probably strong as fuck because he's a fucking redhead ninja. 
Okay, yeah. so that's another thing. He's seems like he's strong as hell. Um, he's learning the submission. Huh? Does this fall into your theory where um, you know Connor and Paddy have whole countries behind them, but but in the U.S. you tend not to have that whole kind of like thing of like it, people backing? Yeah, it does. It it does a little bit. It does, but then on top of it as well, I'm also gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna sidestep, but I'm gonna bring this in. The reason why he's considered to be one of the biggest signings is because he's got a huge community behind him. Maybe not the U.S. Maybe not the whole country of the U.S. But he's got a huge wrestling community behind him. And you've seen that already. Guys like DC, guys like Henry Zahudo, guys like Aaron Pico, guys that are, have come up wrestling, they're going to support their own, man. They're going to, they, they are going to ride and die with this dude. They're, and they, of course they're going to say, this guy's better than Hamzat. This guy can out wrestle Hamza, which I think he can also. But, um, that's what they're going to do. They're going to continue to back this guy. They like him. Not, they don't care. Even if they didn't like him as a person, they would still back him. That's that's what that's what wrestlers do, man. It's like that they're gonna do that. They're gonna stick up for their they're gonna stick up for their their alumni, man. And that's exactly what they're gonna continue to do. Um, Jamie Jamie Pickett's gonna be a fun fight for him. He, we're gonna see how he handles the speed. We're gonna see how he handles um, someone who can be crafty on the feet. But Jamie Pickett doesn't offer anything on the ground or in the wrestling category that 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 uh, Bo Nickel uh, can't deliver. So I think this fight's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be a quick finish, but I think that Bo Nickel is going to get to the top position and do some work. So I can't say it's going to be a quick finish, but I think it's going to, it's going to, we're going to see a lot more than 18 seconds or 54 seconds or whatever it is. We're going to see a lot more than that. Uh, but it's just, I think <clears throat> Hamzat needs to make the weight if he's going to stay at 70. UFC is not going to put Bo Nickel and Hamza together. Absolutely not. And it won't happen probably for a while. And Bo Nickel is going to be at 85 anyways. If Hamza stays at 70, Hamza, if he does, if the only fight that makes sense for him at 170 is Cody, Colby Covington. Absolutely. You cannot give him a title shot off the fact that he missed weight by seven, eight, eight, eight and a half pounds. You cannot do that. He has to fight somebody there. Colby Covington makes sense. Um, Bo Nickel is a huge signing, absolutely, but he's not a bigger signing than guys from the past, whether it's Conor McGregor, whether it's uh, Patty Pimlet. Um, I'm sure there's other ones out there that I'm thinking of, but um, you know, no, he's not a bigger signing than them. Not yet. He may okay, prove to be. I think that's like important to qualify because I think just for the sake of like yeah, any 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 backlash in the in the comments. Uh, it's important to qualify. You think that he he could overtake like Connor, or do you think he no. can't overtake Connor, but he can overtake Paddy? Like he won't, he won't put overtake him somewhere Connor. in the middle there. He won't overtake Connor. I, it's not. It has nothing to do with. Um, it just has to do with the Connor hit a different level when he fought Floyd Mayweather, and I, I don't, we're not going to see that again. It was an opportunity that was presented, um, and the UFC ran with it. I don't think UFC is eager to do those type of deals anymore with anybody. Is this so, guy like a George St. Pierre type star where he's a big star inside yeah. of MMA only? I, I really, I actually really believe. No, no, not inside just MMA only. I think he'll end up being, he's obviously a huge star in wrestling. He's He'll be a huge star in MMA. Um, I don't know if he'll continue to be a huge star outside of that. I don't, I don't know. Like you've got Connor now doing, you know, movies. You've got Connor now doing, uh, you know, whatever else is his uh 
whiskey and stuff like that. Now, Bo may jump into those type of things, but I, I don't, I don't see the star power translate. Now, Bo to me is somebody that, um, he, he's can be, I think he'll be end up being more likable than Conor McGregor. You're going to be hard pressed to be more likable than GSP. I, I don't, I don't think I've ever met a human being more likable than GSP. Um, you know, that's not like somebody that I'm really close with, you know, uh, now it's Bo Nickel is somebody though, that he's going to demand respect. He's going to command the respect and, uh, he's going to go out there and earn it. And he's a hardworking young man who he's done so much in, in the wrestling world. And I think he's going to continue to do more in the, in the MMA world. Now, whether he catches on or not, who knows, but every, every fucking redhead in this world needs to stand up and say, Hey. <laughs> You're fucking representing us. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Next. All right. We're going to wrap up on this one. Your boy, Daniel Cormier. He is the special guest referee <laughs> for Seth Rollins versus Matt Riddle at WWE's Extreme Rules match. Well, you would be able to what? shed more light on this for me because I have no damn clue what this is about. What is this? Oh, is this like man. a money in the bank type wrestling match? Um, it's not money in the bank. No, extreme okay. rules is where they do like they're kind of um, they're like no disqualifications, anything goes type stuff. Wait, is it um, in a cage? Uh, I don't think this one's in a cage. No, um, I don't. No, it's not in a cage between Seth Rollins and um mm. and, and Matt Riddle. But so I was texting my friends about this the other day, and um, my my only beef here is that this is like out of the blue, so it's kind of like a weird thing just to throw dc in there without any kind of tv presence prior anything like that like um you know when they brought in kane there was there was excitement around the fact he was gonna wrestle so it was a little bit different and um, he fought brock lesnar in a, w a wwe fight so it was like it was exciting to kind of have that mm -hmm. um crossover from mma when they had fought prior mm -hmm. so there was more kind of build to it but this just seems kind of thrown together which is which is weird, and I'm and then so I'm wondering how DC is going to go on TV and do that. You know, it would have been nice to see him on TV. Maybe like have a had him in the audience, and then maybe like mm. Seth Rollins slapped him. You know, Matt Riddle comes from MMA, so I think having some sort of like crossover where Matt Riddle invited him in, um, you know, just something to kind of build it. It just seems thrown together because um, you know, well, they right had they just, had a WrestleMania like here at Levi Stadium, correct? Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, I was at that one. Along, yeah, yeah. So and then, so DC was there as well, and so yeah, there was a little bit of like uh, something going on. I don't know who it was with or what it was with, but they Wanda. they showed DC. Yeah, they they showed DC on TV. So they they can maybe try to pull that footage and utilize that a little bit of him being there. Da, da, da. Um, the other thing is, I, I've said this a bunch. Uh, King Mo and DC are like really good friends. But those two guys are the biggest fucking WWE nerds. They're like Dave podcast Dave level nerds. Like <laughs> these guys, they they carry around their fucking money in the bank suitcases to wrestling practice sometimes. Like they they're they're, they're nuts, man. They're 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 nerds like that. I I love it. It's fun to it's fun to be part of. DC's a great guy, man. And so this is right up his alley. <clears throat> now, DC has been known to to ref like wrestling matches in the gym. But like real wrestling matches, like college, collegiate style wrestling matches. And I will tell you this. There will be some Tom fucking foolery going on when DC does this thing. I'm telling you guys 100%. right now. He will stand this shit up when it's not supposed to be stood up. He will 
put somebody where they're not supposed to be like, hey, you need to go down. You got to be on top. Like he will try to make this thing. He will try to make this thing as dirty as possible. He will have fun with it. He will, he will piss the crowd off. He will, he will be a character in that, in that, in that ring. And so if you're going to watch this, which I'm, I'm probably going to tune in for once in my life. I'm going to probably tune in because DC's on it, <laughs> but you should expect for him to totally try to fuck this match up. That's what you should expect. I've, I've seen it. I've had it happen to me so many, too many times in wrestling, wrestling Sean Bunch, wrestling, you know, whoever was in the, whoever was in that wrestling room when, when we were there. If I was wrestling Zuba, uh, Khabib, Islam, he would always try to fuck around and, and, and give someone an advantage. And it was, it looked for him to do the same thing. He's going to have fun with this. He's going to get the crowd really hating him. And all that's going to do is give him an opportunity to make another appearance in the WWE. So good stuff, man. I'm happy for him. I'm proud of him. He, I, I've, you know, when we talk, you know, and we see each other, my questions aren't, you know, like, Hey, what's next for you? It's, I don't very rarely have questions, um, about what's going on in his career. I always try to ask him, you know, how's the family? You know, how you doing? And, uh, you know, and I'm proud of him, man. Like you gotta be honest. I, I, I don't think we say this enough to our friends and, um, with DC, with Habib, with Islam, with, you know, all the fighters that I've grown up with, Tomas Dionge, like guys that I have seen just come up, uh, over the years. Trevor Prangley is my best friend. You know, I've had, you know, for the longest time since, since 96 is when I met him, 96, 97. Um, you know, just people over the years, Bob Cook is one of my, my longest, longest term friends, Rich Chow, you know, being one now it's, um, you got, you, 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 we don't say it enough, man. Cause you don't know when it's going to all disappear. You don't know when it's all going to, to end, but I'm proud of all of them. Proud of this guy right here. He did a great job. You got to think he came in late to MMA and, and he's had such, such high level of success doing what he loves, having fun. And he's, he's made it fun for, for all the people at home. He's made it fun to listen to with the commentary. He's made it fun, uh, to watch his fights. And, um, you just gotta, I gotta just make sure you, you show, you show your buddies your love and, and, uh, appreciation for everything they've done. So congratulations to him. I'm looking forward to watching it, my man. <laughs> All right, well, hey, that's going to wrap up our talk. No Big John today. He's still on the no-fly list, on the Joe Biden no-fly list. So he is. He will hopefully be back uh, for the midweek show. And uh, I want to thank him uh, so much, man, for having some fun. He, Big John was uh, was fun to, to to see him this week. I hadn't seen him in a long time in person. And uh missed the big guy. Missed, I've seen him, you know, through this podcast, but not actually been able to, you know, give him a hug and shake hands and have breakfast with them and talk, talk, talk shop over coffee in the morning. So, um, looking forward to having him back and hopefully I, hopefully I held it down for you guys and you guys uh, enjoyed the show podcast. Dave did a little bit more talking this time around, which helped me and, uh, make sure you guys go to wayneinpodcast.com. Pick up some of our merch is available. Seen a lot of people posting on uh, Twitter, picking up some of our sweaters and sweatshirts and, uh, hoodies and the, the cold weather's coming in, man. Falls coming right around the corner. So pick up a hoodie. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We also have coffee mugs up there as well. So check it all out. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And as Big John would say, 
Do something good for somebody. Be kind. Be nice. And we will see you.